Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, again, welcome and hello to the COH family. I'm grateful to be back with you all. I had such a, a restful week and I, I heard that Pastor Brandon did an awesome job. Where are my Lake Worth people at? Oh, here, can we just honor him? He's not here with us this morning. They've got some friends in town. I think they're at Loxahatchee, but you guys are so, so, so blessed to have him. He's wonderful. I'm so grateful. He's actually going to be preaching again next week right here at our campus, and we're excited to launch you guys hopefully towards December. So wonderful. We praying for you guys and that all that goes well. So I want to wish everybody an early, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and um, especially for maybe some of you who are here visiting family. Sometimes we have family that comes and, and visits during this season. We want to give you a, a warm welcome to Community of Hope. But with Thanksgiving comes Black Friday, okay? And I see some of the giggles already. And we had, in the past years, people ask us, some of our partners ask us, whenever Black Friday, the week before Black Friday, to remind them about our missions offering coming up in December, Okay, so this is your reminder. Missions offering is coming for our mission partners that we give, that we partner with. And so this is your reminder for those of you that wanted, it is Black Friday this Friday. Beware. Okay, beware. And so, but here's, here's what I was doing. I wanted to show you guys, uh, Giselle and I, I was able to get all my procrastination projects. That's what I call them done early in the week. And we went to El Farito. If it's going to be up there, I actually don't know what the name of the park is because the Cubans in Miami just call it that literally translated as little lighthouse. I don't know what the name of the park is, just El Farito. And so, a uh, wonderful place to be at. I just want to say thank you to everybody. I felt your prayers that week. I had a lot of you text me and to say, hey, praying for you, hoping that you're resting up. I felt those prayers. I just want to thank you. And especially for everybody who came by yesterday and maybe has been given some gifts for our, our new coming baby boy. Just thank you so much for that. We are just so, so grateful from the bottom of our hearts from Giselle and I to you guys. So thank you. And But as we move forward, this month we've been in a series called Deep Peace. And really amid a context, right, a season in many of our lives, both in and outside the church, there's so much temptation to struggle with fear, worry, and anxiety, and people have been struggling to find peace. People have been struggling to find peace in their lives. It's like we can't, we can't find it. It's like mosquitoes in July. Everything just keeps on coming at us and it doesn't, it doesn't stop. And so the past several weeks, we've been identifying three culprits that mainly rob our peace. Three culprits. Number one, fear in the present, worry in the future. And then Pastor Brandon excellently shared with us about the last culprit and that's inner anxiety. And we learned last week that nationally, adults diagnosed with some type of anxiety disorder increased over four times in the last two years. That is staggering. That is a staggering number. And actually, here's what's, here's what's crazier. People who study these statistics on anxiety and they do these, these surveys on people, they realize that there's actually not a very big difference between people who self-proclaim as 
followers of Jesus and people who are not. In other words, there's not a a noticeable difference between people who are at Walmart this morning or here in this room. Okay, don't get me wrong, not saying all the pagans are at Walmart this morning getting their shopping done. I'm going to let that one sink in. Now, sometimes with sermons, we offer a little disclaimer, though. I want to offer a disclaimer, especially with the topic of anxiety. Because we all know, and we've maybe we ourselves or maybe a family member or somebody or a friend, we know that sometimes anxiety is a medical or a physiological issue, a disbalance of hormones in the brain. And actually, I want to say that in those cases, we ought to, we should, and we must listen to our medical providers. And so us in a sense, spiritualizing or talking about anxiety is in no way undermining what our medical providers say about a physiological issue or disbalance in the brain about anxiety. But as we close our series this morning, this is going to be our last Sunday in this series. There's a deep truth about deep peace. Within the fuller extent of the passage I want us to look at today. And I think it holds the key to really Move the needle a little bit forward, just a little bit more to help you take one step forward in your pursuit of deep peace in your walk with Jesus. And really, really, it was Paul's secret remedy to finding peace in the midst of really any situation that he found himself in. And it's really what Paul used to help him quit doing things on his own strength. And that's why the title of my sermon this morning is actually Quit. Quit doing things on your own strength or you will never, you will never attain the deep peace that Jesus wants you to live in. Now, there are two common struggles that I've often found um, that I've seen people struggle with contentment. Number one, for some of you struggling with contentment this morning, you've created an identity around the stuff that you don't have. And that's why you're not content. You've created an identity around the things you don't have. There's an insidious quality that the enemy can place in your heart when you begin to compare and contrast yourself with other people on social media, especially now on social media, right? Everybody's just posting about their lives. So now more than ever, it's actually become so easy to envy. And it's so, it's so subtle because we think that it's undetectable because it's in our heart and no one sees it. And it eats us from the inside out, sometimes even unknowingly. But second, some of you would respond to me and say, Jose, I'm not, I'm not really discontent this morning. I don't lack contentment because I don't have these certain things or I, I want somebody else's life or, or, or something. I, I lack contentment today because my family member's dying. I lack contentment today because I'm struggling to pay my bills. I'm lacking, I'm struggling because I don't know where I'm going to lay my head to sleep tonight. Maybe my living situation is in question, right? I just want my needs met. Once I get my needs met, then I'll be content. I want God to take care of these really profound issues in my life. Basically, circumstances where you feel you have every right to feel a lack of contentment. And actually, when you share them with the people around you, they wouldn't blame you. They'd probably say, wow, I understand. I can understand why you don't have contentment this morning. But instead of creating an identity around stuff, what you've done is you create an identity around a circumstance. And that circumstance controls you and there's no inner peace. And you sort of feel stuck, right? You sort of feel stuck in that 
emotion and there's no internal peace. But Paul learned the secret of moving past both stuff and circumstances. And he shares it with us in Philippians 4. So I'm going to ask you guys if you would turn to Philippians 4 in your app or in your Bible. It's going to be on the screen as well. And we preached out of Philippians 4, 4 through 9 last week with Pastor Brandon. This week we're going to reread 4 through 9, but we're going to move forward into the next following verses where really uh, Paul is sharing as to how he overcame Um, his own anxiety, his own struggles in whatever situation and the secret that actually helped him do that in his walk with the Lord. And so we're gonna read Philippians 4, 4 through 13 this morning, 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance, Paul says. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you Um, Some of us with burdened hearts, trying to find contentment in a day and age where it is just absent. Where it's so easy, Lord, to give in to the pressures of what it means to be successful, of what it means to follow you according to the culture, of what it... And we just ask, Lord, in this time, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal your truth, that we may find your peace that you promised us when we trust you and have faith. As your servant Samuel prayed, Lord, your servants are listening this morning. Speak, Lord. We're here. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we just read out of an epistle or a letter that Paul wrote to a church at Philippi. That's why it's called the Philippians. And so it's one of the earlier writings of Paul, actually. But he's writing this in house arrest uh, under Roman guard. And really, 
probably if you, three times, you know, nine out of ten times, if you wanted to know where Paul was writing from, you could sound really smart and just say, oh, he was, Paul was probably in jail. <laughs> You'd probably be right because he wrote so often when he was incarcerated or he was under house arrest, in this case, under Roman guard. But he's thanking some friends who had sent some encouragement to him and had sent him actually some gifts. And uh, this week that we're thinking about gratitude, many of us should express gratitude for the people that are encouragement to us. You, sh- you should do that. Actually, Paul does that. And it's, a, it's exactly what he's doing here in this letter. And so this letter, in a way, is reminiscent of the time that he was, when he was there and actually planted this church. But now, under the cloud of house arrest, where he's got this situation sort of in controlling him, he's under house arrest, probably awaiting trial and then execution. He's reminding the church and That's capital C. That includes us, all of us, that God can be trusted and that he will fulfill his promises. And we can live life with a sense of abiding peace, no matter the circumstance that we find ourselves in today. But Paul admits that living a life of peace and contentment isn't something that comes naturally. I think we can all admit that just contentment in any situation isn't a natural feeling that comes up. It's something he learned. He says two times, he says, I have learned. I think sometimes we look at the Apostle Paul or some of the disciples and we sort of, we think of them as superheroes, but we forget they were flesh and blood just like us. And they went through the same emotions that we did. And they actually, and Paul is actually admitting here, he had to learn how to be content. And so we're going to dissect this phrase that he gives us here. I have learned the secret, he says. I have learned the secret. And so today we're actually going to spend our time dissecting what he is meaning and implying by that one phrase. So first, when it comes to contentment, like I just said, Paul claims he learned it. He learned it I want to refresh our memory and just read a portion of of verse 11 and 12 from chapter 4 of Philippians one more time. He's saying, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. It's the first time. Then he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, he says. I have learned. Now, I want you to think of this for a moment because it's so easy to read the, the, the words on these pages without the context behind it. Think of this. Paul had every right, humanly speaking, to not be content. I mean, think about this. According to human standards, he had been zealous for God, preaching the gospel all over the Mediterranean, doing all this stuff, dedicating his life to the Lord. And now here he is under Roman guard, awaiting trial and waiting to be executed. God, where in the world are you? Where is the blessing for the righteous man? Where are you? You know, it's it's sort of like a card game when you get a just a terrible hand. You get just you just get bad cards or dominoes our lo- our, our family loves to play dominoes and it's sort of a half it's one of those games that's like Half skill, half luck. The people that say they're really good say it's more skill, but it's 
actually not. We actually have some of our friends from our small group here, Jordan and Kaylin, and we, we play dominoes for the first time, and I'm pretty zealous when it comes to somebody new playing dominoes on my table in my house. And so, and so she beat me one of the games, and I was like, I just got a bad hand. That's why you want. But some of us, when we get a bad hand, when we get a bad hand, what do we want to do? We want to fold. We don't play to win. And see, Paul could have very easily folded if we're honest with ourselves. And if he's honest with himself, he could have, and it actually would have been the safest thing for him to do. Think about it. Caesar is Lord. You're free to go. I'm not going to preach the gospel anymore. You're free to go. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He did. He says, I have learned. No matter the set of cards you have in your hand today, whether you're failing to see what you have or whether you're just trying to make it through in a humanly justified situation of discontentment, Paul is speaking to all of us because he lived it himself, plenty or in need, with food or without. Now, here's a problem for us. We're not just trying to learn contentment here. We're trying to learn contentment, but we're also trying to unlearn some of the lies about contentment that the culture has been feeding us. And here's what I mean by that. First, I think we have to learn the misconception that contentment always equals happiness. Contentment does not actually always equal happiness. Here's a, here's a, a good little way I try to remember things. Happiness is about what is happening to you. And I do think those two words are related on the other hand, contentment is not about what is happening around you or the things that you have. Secondly, we have to unlearn the unhealthy, more is better mentality of our culture. I love my Texan friends. Everything's big in Texas, right? But more is not always better, even though the culture wants to say that it is. And think about this. I mean, in our super consumer-driven culture, what's the whole point of advertisement? To try to convince you that you need something to be happy. To convince you to need something to be happy. It reminds me of when my dad used to take us to school in the morning and he was an ambulance driver back in the day. And so he, he sometimes, well, he still thinks that he's driving an ambulance when he's driving. But he's in Miami, so that's okay. He's allowed to drive that way in Miami. <laughs> But he would take us to school when we were kids and we would be, and we were usually somewhat late. And this particular moment, moment, we were really late. And I remember he, I mean, he loves McDonald's apple pies and he saw an advertisement. I mean, he had had breakfast and everything, but he saw an advertisement that said McDonald's apple pie right there on the, on the window of the McDonald's. Bogo, buy one, get one free. He's like, I need it. And he just turns into the driveway. He cuts off like three people. And I'm like, Dad, we're going to get late to school. And he's like, I need this. It's a buy one, get one free deal. I need it. And I would say, no, you don't need it. You need to take us to school. That's what you need to do, you know. Some of us are discontent this morning because culture's saying that we need things to be happy, that we need certain things. And the advertisement doesn't help, but you got to watch your heart. You got to ask yourself, do I really need it? But like I mentioned before, some of you are struggling with contentment because you're living through some really difficult moments in your life. It's not about things. It's not about wanting access. You have your needs taken care of. You're just living through some really hard times in your life. 
and it's super hard for you to be content. And, be, and because you're not content about the circumstance around you, you think you can't be content in Christ and that you can't find peace in him, which brings me to the third lie that we have to unlearn, which we often maybe don't tell ourselves, but we live it. And here's the lie. Sometimes we believe that Christ is not enough in the worst of circumstances. Sometimes we believe that Jesus Christ is not enough in the worst of circumstances. And we don't, we don't say that, but we live it. It shows in our actions. I remember the most broken moment in my, in my own life when contentment was a challenge for me, not because of stuff and things, but because of a, a circumstance I found myself. And I was just, I was just asking the Lord, why? I mean, why is this happening? Where are you? And you expect me to be content? I'm, I'm sure that there's people today you could, you could sort of resonate with what I'm, I'm talking about. And Paul says, like we read, that he, he learned. He learned. And part of the learning process, part of the learning process is painful, my friends. It is. It really is. And he learned actually through some really difficult circumstances. And he fortunately actually wrote some of it down in another letter that he wrote to a church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want us to read what he says here because it sort of, it gives us a picture into the inner life of the apostle. And really, the learning process that he underwent to find peace and contentment in the Lord. Look what he says here, starting in the second half of verse 7 in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times, three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, Notice, I want you to notice the, the strong language. He's either, some, some people think he's literally talking about maybe some oppression over his life or some other scholars think that it's a, a physical ailment. Whatever it may be, he's asking the Lord to take it away. He's pleading with the Lord. Three times he was exhorting God, take it away from me. And I know some of you are praying that prayer this morning. As well, but I want you to notice, I want us to notice in verse 9 what the Lord actually responds to him in his prayer. So in verse 9 it says, But he, talking about the Lord Jesus, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. The answer wasn't, yes, Paul, I'll take it away, or no, Paul, suck it up and deal with it. Those weren't the responses that the Lord gave him. It was, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm enough. I'm enough for you in this circumstance. And this is what Paul learns. He wrote it down. Following the end of verse 9 and 10, he says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I want you to just notice how backwards this sounds. He says, That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think my first reaction is that makes no sense because it doesn't, humanly speaking, make 
since it's only something that you can acquire when you walk with the Lord Jesus and you learn his way. It is learning to be satisfied with Christ and him alone where we draw nearest to our Lord in the most horrific of circumstances. This isn't just a preaching for everybody whose life is going good. This is probably more of a sermon. Actually, in light of the context, it's more of a sermon for those of us who are not content because we feel we can't possibly be content. And I remember that in my own life, during that season, I had learned that Christ and his grace was enough for me, so much so that I actually bought this verse. I'm going to show it on the screen. This is a a verse on my wall. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And I did that, and it's right in front of the bed. I, I literally plop up, and that's the first thing I see. And I did that because I wanted to remind myself every single day that actually Christ was enough of me because we forget. And some of you need to do that. You need to remind yourself. You need to learn that he is enough for you this morning, no matter what you're going through. And so firstly, Paul says he learned. Secondly, Paul makes a definitive claim. He learned the secret. And when I became a pastor, I never imagined I would use the word the as a point, but there's a first time for everything. And I I think I, I, I figured out why I wanted to. And so I wanted to read Philippians 4.12 one more time and emphasize one little point here. Philippians 4.12, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. He says, he has, I have learned the secret. Now, as I think that when you read, you're tempted to just read that. I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret, right? Just skip over that. It's an article. How many times do you read the word the, right? But the word the is a powerful qualifier. What does it imply? It implies oneness. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In the same way, Paul says he has learned the secret. In other words, Not a secret to contentment, the secret to contentment, only one. What Paul is saying here is the secret of lasting peace comes when we subordinate every other qualifier, every other thing to one thing only, actually one person, and that's Jesus, Jesus Christ. The problem we have, however, is not saying it, but actually living in such a way that everything that occurs in our lives, we view it under the lordship of Christ. See, we usually don't have a problem putting our joys under the lordship of Christ. When good things are good, we're happy. The Lord has blessed us. We have favor. We have found grace with the Lord. When we struggle is putting under the lordship of Jesus these other things that are feeding our lack of contentment. Kay Warren, Pastor Rick Warren's wife at Saddleback Church, she, she puts it this way. And this, this is probably one of the most powerful quotes I, I think I've, I've read that just impacted me so much. She says, I used to think that life came in waves. There was a wave of good and pleasant circumstances followed, like a season of life of good and pleasant circumstances, followed by a wave of unpleasant and difficult circumstances. Or that life is a series of hills and valleys. Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're down. In other words, 
there's a common misconception, or that's what she's going to prove, that it's almost like a continuum. Sometimes there's good seasons, sometimes there's bad seasons. A hill is never in a valley. By, by, by definition, they're opposites, the hill and the valley. It comes on a continuum. But I've come now to realize, she says, that life is much more, I want you to picture this in your brain, like a set of parallel train tracks, she says. A set of parallel train tracks with joy and sorrow running inseparably throughout all our days. Think of a train track, two tracks to make the train glide, right? And so two rails run parallel to each other all the way from the beginning to the end of the trail. And what she's, what she's saying is that joy and sorrow, it's never, I think we can all admit if we really are honest with ourselves and with this quote, joy and sorrows, they tend to come at the same time. Over here, when there's a birth, there's a death. When we're celebrating a graduation, we just came from the hospital saying goodbye to a loved one. And what she's saying is that joy and sorrow, they're, they're at the same time. And actually, Jesus makes room for that. He makes room for you. He mourns with those who mourns and he rejoices with those who rejoice. And we are able to put everything under his lordship all at the same time. It is the secret because it works for everybody. It's not just a secret. It is the secret. So first, Paul claimed contentment is something learned. Second, he claims that there's only one way to attain it. And lastly, Paul lets us in on the secret. Paul lets us in on the secret. And he summarizes it. In Philippians 4.13, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And actually, in Greek, that's just one word. The one who gives strength. He doesn't even use the word Jesus there, or Christ, or any Lord. The one who gives strength. He's qualifying that as who God is, the giver of strength. And that's a secret. It's only a secret because people ignore Jesus, though. They ignore his grace and his sufficiency because he wants everybody to know. He wants everybody to know. Now, besides Jeremiah 29, 11, this is, how many, I mean, this verse is pretty popular. How many times have we heard, I can do all things through him who gives me strength? It's a popular verse in the, in the Christian world, but I don't want you to miss this because I think when we say something many times, we're almost desensitized to it and it loses its power in our minds, but it doesn't lose its power. It's a profound truth. And in this verse, Paul is asking us to reassess our identity, to reframe our hearts around God's heart. He is the Lord. He is the one who gives strength in any and every circumstance to find peace and contentment no matter what, no matter what. One of the most profound embodiments of contentment that I, that I saw and really an embodiment of this verse, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I saw it when I went to, to Cuba on a mission trip some years ago. And it was my first time on the island and we went to the, we went with the people in their homes and there's, there's a lot of need, a lot of, a lot of lack there and everybody was super content. But I don't just want to stop there. I want to give you a specific example and really an example that has stuck with me all the days of my life sense. And I remember meeting this pastor in Cuba. His name was Pastor Manolito. In English, that's Pastor Manolito, okay, for, for everybody. 
So uh, I remember going to his home and he lived in the second story. He lived in the second story of the church. It's like a, it was a small building. He lived in the second story. And I remember the first thing that caught my eye. His balcony was literally destroyed. It was just falling on the ground. He had no balcony. It's like he had, a, he had like a door there. It just, it was like a cliff, a precipice. His wife was battling a rare disease that had overtaken her skin too. And, you know, when you, when you sort of see something physical, it sticks with you like, oh, my goodness. And as we're there, he has no electricity. And it came on for like 10 minutes, then it went back out. And so he hardly had any electricity when we were there, but he made us dinner. He made us dinner. And I'll never forget, as we're sitting around the table, he comes and he's serving us. And I actually, I, I, I can't remember very much, but I think... I actually shed a tear when he said this. He, he put the plates on the table and he said, silver or gold, I have none. Silver or gold, I have none. But from what I do have, I give you. And if you don't know that reference, that's actually Peter in Acts chapter 3 when he's raising a, a paralytic man. I was the paralytic in that moment because I didn't have the contentment that he had. My contentment was lame. And he gave me that, that verse. It was almost like, get up and walk. Get up and walk contentment. Get up and walk peace. Just reading into that story, right? But I remember with a big smile on his face, he said that. And as I look back, I realized I, had, I visually saw the embodiment of contentment, of doing all things through Christ. His, he had every reason, every single reason in the whole world to lack contentment. Every single one. I mean, Think of it, his wife was extremely ill with this thing that overtook her body. Their, their home was literally falling apart. They barely had enough money to provide for themselves. And yet with a smile on his face, he fed me. And he was hospitable to me. And I left a changed man. You would say, that makes no sense. How could somebody be content? In that circumstance, I would say, you're right, it doesn't make any sense. It's only actually possible through him who gives you strength. That's how it's possible. And so as we close, there's really no better way to apply what Paul's saying here than to simply confess. Than to simply confess what you've been doing on your own strength. What you've been trying to carry on your own strength. What, what grief you've been trying to console yourself of on your own strength that is robbing your contentment and your peace. And if that's you this morning, I, I want you to come up to the altar. I want you to, there's nothing magical about coming to the altar, but it is a, there's something incredible that happens in your heart when you prostrate yourself in in a, in a form of surrender unto the Lord. It's almost healing to your soul. And I want you to pray. And if you wish, we're actually going to have our, our, our uh, prayer ministry team members up here. They're going to come up in just, just a second when, the, when Miranda leads us in a, in a, in a final song. They're going to have some anointing oil. If you're dealing with something real tough and you want a little touch of anointing oil and for them to pray over you, please approach them. Please do. If not, just come to the altar and come pray on your own. And so as the band plays, come up and confess your lack of contentment. Confess it. 
It'll heal your soul when you give it to the Lord. Confess any envy in your heart that you've been feeling because you don't have something that other people have. That's eating your faith and your life. And say the names of the people that have those things. Say it and wish them well. You say, I don't want to do that. Well, you're going to see the work that God does in your heart when you do do that. When you bless other people. And confess to the Lord if you're angry or discontent with the cards that are currently in your hand. Give them to him. Don't fold them. They're in your hand. And he can help you walk one day at a time. Not just walk, but walk with peace, inner peace in him. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we want to lift up this time. We ask you that you would help us to be honest with you. To help us confess, Lord, our lack of contentment, our lack of peace. Lord, would you be honored in our honesty? Lord, as we approach your throne of grace, because that's what it is, it's grace. We give it to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The altar's open. I pray the Lord spoke to you this morning. Remember, it's a process. If you walk out of here and you're not content or you're not feeling peace, it's not. Don't feel shamed by that. Paul learned you can too just take one step at a time if you need additional prayer we do have a prayer team standing by on my back left your back right over there by Anna Westfall if you need prayer there's a team over there would love to take you love to pray for you and lay hands over you and as for now let me bless as let me bless you all as you go out and worship the Lord Jesus in everything that you do in your jobs in your home the way that you treat your children the way that you treat your friendships in everything that you do. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, go with God. Thank you so much for coming. Have peace and walk with him daily. Amen. See you next week.